Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem, we'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are in the book of James. Uh, McGee puts us back. He starts back around James chapter 3, verse 14, but but I'll sort of start around uh, there, maybe around verse 17, but our main focus will be beginning chapter 4 and going just through the first four verses. Now, if you recall, this book of James is just a real practical book. We've been talking about trying to put the Word of God into action, trying to put the Word of God into being uh, something real in us, being doers of the Word of God, not just listeners and not just giving it lip service, putting our faith in action. And God uses that tests and trials to to grow our faith and to grow us for our own humility. So we were talking about uh, having um, uh, just that focus, that heavenly focus, that fatherly focus, that forward-thinking focus, that goal on God's kingdom whenever we face the inevitable tests and trials. God does this so we, we grow. We need to be active, and we need to have an attitude of thanksgiving when we face these trials. And we need to be asking Him for wisdom. And he, so He starts off the book, you know, back in the first chapter, about asking God. You know, how often do we rely on our own wisdom to get us through the day or to get us through some trial or to get us through something coming up. But we don't ask God. And God says, look, ask me. I'll give generous to everyone who asks. And, you know, I think the more I think about it just in my own life and just looking around is that sometimes we're dried up inside you know, or we feel like we're burnt out, or, you know, you hear people say, you know, I just don't have anything left. Um, I'm stressed out, or you hear people say, I'm depressed, or I'm anxious, or I just don't have any more joy in life. Why do you think that is? I, I you know, the more I read this book of James, the more I, I'm, I feel like uh, a really large part of it Maybe because people have just stopped asking God 
for the wisdom that they need. They've just stopped talking to God. They've just stopped uh, asking for what they need. And, you know, if, if the brain doesn't get proper nutrients, it starts to shrink. You know, if the brain of an Alzheimer patient doesn't get what it needs to sustain itself from the body, it starts to shrink and the brain stops working good. The person, you know, can't remember stuff. You know, maybe their personality changes, their appetite changes, all these little things change. Their response time is slow. And I wonder if in our hearts that we can get dried up too. We can, our hearts loses its sense of purpose. So God, you know, wants us to ask him. He yearns for us to ask him things. He gives generously to all without reproach, you know. So, but we've got to be asking, he says, without doubting. We don't, so in James chapter 1, we need to be asking in faith. And it's interesting that he circles back now uh, in chapter 4, and I'll just start reading in chapter 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So he's back to our lack of asking. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Verse 4, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or being an enemy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So look at, look at what James starts up now. He's talking about asking. He's talking about how important it is for us to ask. And so what is another symptom of us not asking? You know, and it's within the context of wisdom, like back in verse, in chapter one, if you lack wisdom, ask, okay? And then in chapter three, we've just been talking about wisdom, okay? So now, back in chapter one, if you lack wisdom, ask, and then he's talking about what wisdom is at the end of chapter three. And what do you think we launch right into in chapter 4? Quarrels, fights, coming from our own desires and our own passions. And all of this, fights and quarrels, whether they're big fights or little fights or big quarrels or little quarrels, it's coming from our misplaced desires and passion. And it's because we don't have something that we need to ask for. And we're back to asking again. And we've been just talking about wisdom. And so he's saying here 
that again, we need to ask for what we need, but we need to ask in the right ways, not the wrong ways. He says, you ask wrongly. So what's the, so the, we have to think about whether or not we're asking or not. He says, because you don't ask. He says that in chapter, in verse 2, verse chapter 4, verse 2. You don't have because you don't ask. So one thing we have to sort of ask ourselves is, are we even asking God for things or not? Just like he was talking about back in chapter 1. If you lack wisdom, ask, but ask in faith. Don't doubt when you ask, ask in faith. And now he's circling back. He's saying, the reason you don't have things that you need is because you're not asking for things that you need. Again, he's saying you need to ask God for what you need. And then he says right after that, you ask and you don't receive. In other words, you, when you do ask, you don't get what you ask for. Because you're asking wrongly. Okay? So in one case, we're not asking. And for the other case, what we do ask for is the wrong stuff. And you don't get it. And James is telling us here, you've got to ask for godly things. Not worldly things. Now, when we talk to God, when we, if we decide we're going to pray... We have to understand that, as what James is telling us here, that we can, we can talk to God in a worldly way. We can ask for things in a worldly way. But God wants us to talk to Him in a godly way. In a righteous way. You say, well, what's the difference there? Well, He wants us to be focused on Him when we're talking to Him not focused on ourselves when we're talking to Him. He wants us, if we're truly focused on God, the first thing that that ought to come out of our mouths is to praise Him for who He is and the love He's given us and the grace and the mercy He's given us. You know, the first thing that ought to come out of our mouths is how thankful we are for what He has given us, for the love He's given us. Otherwise, we're dead in our tracks. We're sinful, dead people, dead in our own sin, and pretty much filthy inside and out, right? But if we're focused, we're, if, we're, if we're talking with God like that, we set that, we set that straight, asking from our own heart. And the thing is, is that if we um, ask in a worldly way, we're just self-centered on ourselves and what we want. And God's not in business just to grant us material things that we want. God is allowing us to ask Him things to make us more like Him, to make us more righteous. And so I think, you know, when 
when we see people fighting and quarreling, I think, you know, the big teaching moment for us as we try to open up that conversation and look at it is people are fighting and quarreling because they don't have things inside their own hearts. Their own hearts are anxious about the day or worrying about the day, you know, and their true desire is to have things complete within the day. Their own desire may be to have a lot of tasks accomplished for the day so that the day will be good. And perhaps you're, you're doing something at work or you're doing something at school and you want all the work to be done or you're trying to pack a car or you're trying to clean a basement or you're trying to clean a house or you're trying to do tasks around the house, whatever the case may be. Your desire is that the work is done and done properly. Those are all things you're in charge of, right? But is that desire for those things to be done, is that desire greater than your desire to serve the Lord? Is that desire taking the place of the joy that it should be in your heart knowing that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in your heart. And he talks about passions, maybe things that you feel so strongly about, you, you, just, you just need it. I'm passionate about politics. I'm passionate about, you know, um, this, this cause. Or I have a passion for, for wealth. I have a passion for power or prestige, you know. All these passions burn within people's heart. It could be worldly passions. It could be lustful passions. It could be greedy passions. Those things that you want tremendously or maybe something somebody else has, you're passionate about that. Is that desire in your heart really focused on God's glory and His kingdom? No, that passion is something that your heart wants. And so the unfulfilled heart that, and I'm talking about unfulfilled in a spiritual way, unfulfilled for what God wants to put in your heart, after a while that heart dries up because earthly desires and earthly passions will come and go. And wisdom that is being driven is worldly wisdom. And that comes and goes. And after a while, people who are just running on earthly wisdom, earthly desires, earthly passions, butt heads with somebody else's heart that's dealing with earthly desires and earthly wisdom and earthly passions. And when you get two hearts like that with two heads like that, they're bumping heads and now they're quarreling and fighting. And he says, when you're quarreling and fighting among yourselves and you're butting heads with somebody else, take a stop, open it up. What's inside your heart? You've missed opportunities to ask God for what you really need. And we need to ask God 
in godly ways for things, not worldly ways. And so, and th this, my study Bible reminded me of 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In other words, and I always like to translate this from my own little heart, whatever you think and say and do, whatever you think, say and do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything you do, everything you think, everything you say. Remember, we were talking about taming the tongue also. It all matters to God. What's in our mind, what's in our mouth, what's in our heart. It all matters. Because that's what God wants us to do is be more like Him. And so, wisdom, again, comes from God. And so, now I'm sort of going backwards because we were just talking about wisdom Back in chapter 3, verse 14, and I'll just start back there, kind of in reverse today. Verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly and unspiritual, demonic. So earthly wisdom is really no good. It causes bitterness and jealousy and selfish ambition. And this is what we were talking about in chapter 4, the desires and the passion that then sort of dwell in people's hearts because they're not asking for the right things or in the right ways. And in verse 16, chapter 3, he says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. If you're jealous or you have your own ambitions, there's always disorder. But, he's circling back on wisdom in, on, in verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. That's what he's saying. You want to ask for wisdom? You need to ask. You know, you have to make the decision whether you're going to talk to God or not talk to God. And again, I've, I've been thinking one of the biggest problems we have today is nobody's talking to God. Nobody's asking God for what they need. And what they need is wisdom from God, not their things than, that, that they want, not, with, not things that, they, that their own hearts want. People aren't asking for God to God. People aren't asking God for God's wisdom. Perhaps that's one of the biggest problems today. And wisdom from God starts first with purity. Pure. In other words, it's God's will, not your will. Peaceable. Wisdom from God is peaceable. It's gentle. It's open to reason. Peaceable. 
purity, which is blameless, peaceable. It's kind of the opposite of the selfish ambition. You know, it's not bitter. It's not jealous. It's not selfish. It's pure. And it's peaceable. It's It helps. You know, if you're trying to make decisions about what to do and you don't know what to do, strive first for purity of thought and purity in your heart. Get all your junk out of the way. Make it pure. And if you need wisdom from above, it needs to come from God. It needs to get all your junk out of it. And then it's going to be peaceable. Oh, please give me the wisdom to argue my way. No, (laughs) no, it's peaceable. It's the polar opposite of your own self. Strive for being at peace with others. Forgiving others. That's peaceable wisdom. Gentle. That's... That's wisdom from God. Not trying to be a strong arm. Being gentle. You want to know how to deal with your kids? Be gentle with your kids. You want to, you want to know how to deal with others? Be peaceable with others. You want to know how to deal with your own self? Be pure in your own heart with what you're asking God for. You know? You want to ask for God? You want to talk to God? Asking God in a godly way, not a worldly way. Ask in purity. Ask pure for His will to be done, not your will to be done. You want to be good with others? Be gentle to others. Or gentle to your children, gentle to your wife, gentle to your husband. You want to be wise? Be open to reason. Don't be closed-minded. Hear the other side. Hear things out. You want to be wise in what you say, think and say and do? Be full of mercy to others, just like God gives mercy to you. And sometimes that's hard to do, isn't it? It requires you to be forgiving, doesn't it? It says full of mercy, not just a little bit of mercy. He says full of mercy and good fruits. Full of good fruits, not just a little fruit. And remember, we said fruit is... The offspring of your faith, like the plant (laughs) analogy we were talking about earlier. The roots are underground. You can't see somebody's faith sometimes. You don't know how deep their faith is just walking around. You can't see how deep the roots of a plant are, but you can see what the roots produce, can't you? It's what's above the ground. You can see that tree is big and strong and tall or that bush. Look what it's producing. It's beautiful. The flowers are beautiful. The fruit is great. Or the fruit tastes so good. It's a testimony to what the roots are doing down below. And the fruit are our good works. Full of good fruit. That's wisdom that comes from God. God wants you to produce lots of fruit. In other words, lots of good works, just as he has produced lots of good works for us. Starting with saving our, your own life. You want to be wise from God? Be impartial. Don't judge others like we were saying back in chapter 1. Don't judge the lowly brother critically. 
and don't judge the rich person favorably just based on appearances or wealth or power or prestige, things like that. Be impartial in everybody, everybody you meet. The poor person could be the best person you meet. The rich person or the popular person could be the most worthless person you meet. But be impartial. Look at their character. Don't judge people by the, the don't judge the book by its cover, so to speak, huh? And sincere. You want to be wise to somebody? Be truthful and sincere with them. Give them your best answer in all sincerity. Don't give them what they, they think they want to hear or be as sincere as you know how to be. And he says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown by peace, sown in peace by those who make peace. You want to be wise? He wants you to have a harvest of righteousness in your wisdom. That's good works, right? That, that's the fruit. That's the good works by those who make peace. So in other words, people who are wise are there to make peace, just like the Lord Jesus makes peace. How did he make peace with you? He died for you. He died for all of us that believe in him. How does that make peace? Because it makes peace with God. He's made peace with God for you. So now you are at peace with God. God no longer can condemn you, no longer condemns you, in your own sin, because Jesus died for your sins. Jesus reconciles you to God. He reconciles your sin. He reconciles my sin to God. So now we have Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, living in us that believe in Him. And God looks at us now <clears throat> and sees that Holy Spirit. He sees us as holy because Christ is holy. And if Christ is living in us, we're holy. Without Christ, we're dead sinners. With Christ, we're alive. So we want to have the wisdom of Christ in us. Purity, peacefulness, gentleness, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial and sincere. To produce a harvest of righteousness. And that righteousness is what is produced in others. And we sow that righteousness in others. We plant it in others. We, In other words, we plant the fruit in others by those who make peace. When we do good works for others and we live a godly life and we advance God's gospel message to others, advancing God's kingdom and the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ for others. That's planting seeds of righteousness in others. And that's the harvest of the fruit that we're talking about, that James is talking about. That's, a, that's the wise person. That's wisdom from Christ. All of these are traits of Christ. So we want to ask for wisdom in a godly way, not a worldly way. We want to ask for wisdom in faith when we undergo tests and trials that will come. 
and we want to need to make the decision to ask. It's not to be or not to be. It's to ask or not to ask. That is the question. And we need to ask in godly ways and not worldly ways so that we can please Him in everything we think and say and do. So from me to all of you, I hope this was insightful. It sure was for me. I sure learned a lot. Um, just about wisdom and asking and prayer. Um, so now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're going to uh, have a, a great weekend coming up. Look forward to hearing what you have to say on this awesome, awesome book of James. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you back on Monday as we continue our study in James. God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from James chapter 3, beginning at verse 15, all the way to James chapter 4, verses 1 through to verse 4. So the first three chapters of the book of James was given the title, The Verification of Genuine Faith. So the saving faith must be made real. So faith must be, um, you know, transformed into action. It must be made real. So saving faith produces fruit. So that action is the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the, 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 the action that faith actually produces. So God tests faith by trials. And we saw this, um, you know, like the different ways in which uh, God tests uh, faith. So there is also the faith of believing in things that are not real or just nodding your head to what you hear. And this is what we <clears throat> see in a lot of people today. You know, they believe in things that, um, you know, are not real. Um, um, you know, they believe in earthly things. You know, they believe in things that they... Um, that are just basically not real, and they also believe in um, and and just by nodding their faith because today you oh, sorry nodding their heads because today we have a lot of people um, like a lot of uh, evangelists who are so desperate to have converts in their church, and they just you know go out there and preach and you know because somebody nods and oh and they say oh hey I've got you know this and this number of converts you know they're so interested in numbers today and not in actual genuine revival and transformation of somebody so we saw that God does not test faith with evil so um God will not put evil in you know in front of you to actually test you so evil comes from our own flesh it comes from within <clears throat> so within so the troubles on the inside of us that's what, um, you know, manifests into sin. So the other way that God tests faith is by word, not by the doctrines that we actually hold. So James says, knowing is not enough. You know, just hearing the word of God is not enough. This is the foundation that we should actually build on and no other foundation can man lay, you know, because uh, Jesus Christ already laid that foundation for us. <clears throat> so God tests faith. Another way that God tests faith is by attitude and action in respect of persons. So here, so we have God tests faith by um, trials. Um, so the different trials that, you know, God would test us by. So God tests faith by, he doesn't test faith by evil. <clears throat> you know, God tests faith by, um, you know, the word, his word. And then God tests faith by action 
by attitude and action are in respect of persons. And then the other way that God tests faith is God tests faith by good works. So they are important for a child of God, but not for, um, you know, the unsaved, the good works. So, you know, if an unsaved person does good works, that's not, that doesn't count for anything because they're not God's children. So now in chapter three, we saw that the beginning, sorry, the first 14 verses, we saw that God tests faith by the tongue. So the tongue tells who we are. You know, like yesterday's study, we're talking about, you know, the tongue. It actually identifies who we are. It's like our index. It tells who we are. And now, and in chapter four, we're also going to see, because we're entering a little bit in chapter four up to verse four, um, we're going to see, like, it's, um, you know, it, it's going to be a new section and uh, where we're going to have the vacuity and vaporedness of worldliness and what worldliness is. That's what um, chapter four is going to actually highlight on. So we start in chapter three where this is actually explained in the beginning. So the uh, vacuity and vaporedness of worldliness is actually explained from where we're starting from. So verse 14 reads, that's where I'll begin reading. Verse 14 of James chapter three reads, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. Verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking or strife exist, confusion and every evil being are there. So here, scripture makes it clear that God is not the author of confusion at all. Wherever there's confusion, God's not there. So the confusion that's in the world today is brought about by by the workings of the devil. And it's using the tongue that causes so much trouble in the world, but it comes out of the heart of man. So what's in the well of the heart will come out through the bucket of the mouth. If you're an unsaved child of God, because if you're a child of God, you are going to bridle your tongue. But if you are an unsaved child of God, you just speak out anything and, you know, Speaking out anything causes a lot of destruction and confusion. That little tongue, you know, is like a forest fire. It can just cause a lot of confusion and destruction. Um, Verse 16, just let me just reread it again. It says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and evil and confusion and every evil thing are there. Verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above, that's from God, is first pure, then peaceful. So, you know, the wisdom from above is always pure first, and then there's, uh, it's peaceful, gentle, willing, to yield full of mercy um, and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. So here now, wisdom from above is pure. <clears throat> it's undiluted, and it's that which comes from God and is identified as pure, peaceful, peaceable, sorry, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality without hypocrisy so there are two things we need to have in mind as you know we start um chapter um four um because here verse 18 let me just read it i didn't read it that's uh that's of james chapter three it says now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace so now we're supposed to bear in mind two things 
before we start chapter four. So, um, and this is, you know, if you're a child of God today, the tongue that we have will be used for a blessing for others. And the tongue can also be a blessing or a curse. The second thing we're supposed to take note of is there must be righteousness before there can be peace. So if only this can get into, you know, different organizations today, you know, like um, Peace Corps, uh, the UN, um, you know, we cannot have peace without righteousness, you know, because everyone seeks peace, peace, peace. But, you know, there is no righteousness. People are just unsaved, ungodly. And how exactly um, do we expect to have peace when these people don't have that moral compass, that godly moral compass? So now, chapter four. So those are the two things to bear in mind. So the tongue can be used for a blessing or a curse. And uh, there must be righteousness before we can have peace. So now we get to chapter four. Chapter four, verse one reads, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? That war is in your members. War basically is, you know, like selfishness, the selfishness of man. So, you know, the question to ask is, what is worldliness? Right? So today, what we call worldliness is uh, the symptoms, uh, the trouble is actually deeper. You know, worldliness, a lot of people say, oh, worldliness is, you know, like just you know, going out to the club, drinking and doing all those things now. Not according to, you know, the University of James here. Those are just symptoms. The trouble actually lies deeper. So worldliness, as James has put it down, is strife and envy. If we go back to chapter 3. Uh, beginning at verse 14 here but if you have bitter if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts do not boast and lie against the truth so it's strife and envy worldliness if you have it in you so um james chapter 3 verse 13 actually also talks about this says who is wise and understanding among you let him show by the good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. So faith is major is is a major here in the University of James. Um, the major subject, you know, the way we take minors and majors. So the major subject here in um, James is talking about faith, and all the elected courses are related to faith. So all the other little courses that he has put in, they're all related to faith. So Works of faith produces meekness, humility, that submission. So, you know, there is bitter envying and strife in your hearts, and this leads to the production of things like, you know, these little um, factions that we have in the churches, the cults, the people who think they're better than others, the divisions, and, you know, a spirit of rivalry in the church today. It's because of that bitter and envious spirit that we have, that strife that we have in our hearts, that's what leads to all this confusion. That's what leads to all these zealous churches and cliques and factions and divisions. And he defines this as earthly. So that's worldliness today. The worldliness that's described by James is, you know, strife and envy. It just produces all this ugliness. So it's confined to the earth <clears throat> today. So it's sensual. So, you know, like, say, it's, it's psychological. It's like, um, and it's actually devilish. And we have this in uh, chapter 3, verse 15. And it produces confusion. 
you know, that strife and envy that we have in the end, since it sets your tongue wagging, talking, and it causes, you know, a lot of confusion. It's just passed on and, you know, it just becomes a vicious cycle. <clears throat> so verse one here um, reads, verse one of chapter four, James says, where do wars and fights come from? From among you. From among you, sorry, that's the question. Do they not come from your desire for pleasure? So here, wars have to do with nations fighting, um, and fighting has to do with, you know, skirmishes and squabbles in the church, right? So you wanted to have your way. It's people wanting to actually go about and have their way, <clears throat> and that's what causes um, a lot of fighting and, you know, eventually, you know, like on a bigger scale, war. So um, verse two goes on to read, uh, you lust and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain you and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. So here, <clears throat> this is um, having an, you know, you know, that unsatiable desire. Um, you know, like you do not have, but you keep on wanting. So there is a lack of knowledge and we need to realize that we must be born again. That, you know, we actually need to realize that faith in Christ um, is what regenerates us. And now, um, you know, when we have that faith in Christ, it regenerates us and it helps us to be indwelt in Christ today by the Spirit of God. So the lust and covetousness and desire are the things that um, represented, you know, that old nature. So now, you know, we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. God has given us his Holy Spirit. And now we're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that old nature, uh, the covetousness and envy and lust is in that, is in our old nature. So verse two, <clears throat> um, here, you know, the answer to this, you know, the answer that uh, was asked, like, you lost and do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. So the answer to this, this is the spirit of the world. When it gets into the church, you have a worldly church. And that's what you have today a lot, actually. That spirit, you know, the lust, the covetousness, the desire, the selfishness enters um, the church and you know we end up having a worldly church so what is a worldly church you know when that spirit of the world the confusion the strife the covetousness lust desire enters into the church the church now you know there's no spirit to the church it's just like uh, a bunch of dead people dead in trespasses just walking and not learning and not growing verse 3 um, goes on to read you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So here, you know, simply means when you ask God, you're asking to uh, consume in a selfish way. You know, you're asking a selfish way. You're asking for your own selfish desire and you will not receive. That's what it just simply means. Um, verse four um, goes on to read, adulterous and adulteresses do not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be an, uh, a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So here now, 
um, this is, you know, the way of the world to take by force. You know, that's how it is. The world is dog eat dog and take by force um, what you want, you know, by hook or crook. So lay hold of it. Be envious and jealous of others because strife, you know, and cause strife. And this is worldliness. Um, so, you know, today, you know, a friend of the world is an enmity to God. And our world that we're currently in, it's, it's what do they call it? Dog eat dog world. You know, it's take by force what you want. You know, it's all the strife, all the envy, all the covetousness, uh, where like you just force yourself and, you know, have what you want because of your own selfish desires without like looking at the consequences, what, you know, what, how it affects others. Um, and that's what is being talked about here. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity to God? So now, you know, that is worldliness, the strife and the envy. And it just like, you know, it, it bubbles up and just uh, goes on and, 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 um, and um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cycle. Um, you know, and then we get to see all the symptoms coming out because there's something that's deeper, that's inrooted in us, you know, because we have it in our hearts. We have that envy, that strife in our hearts. And, um, and in the end, because, you know, our tongues are set wagging and it causes a lot of confusion and harm. And, um, and when that spirit enters the church, the church becomes a worldly church. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. God bless and have a pleasant Friday. Bye-bye.